What's up, Shooks? Um, so we were just talking about the James Webb Telescope is now open oh, and it's yeah. beginning to take pictures. And that right there will make a pussy throb. Uh, it will. It's crazy that we don't have sponsors lining up to get I'm their advertisements on this podcast. I'm absolutely baffled by it all the time. Um, I feel like I was listening to our episodes, like the amount of shit we talk on like billionaires and stuff, and, like, like, no like the most powerful people, there'd be nobody who would want to sponsor us. I, don't, I can't think of anybody. I can't think of anybody either. So That we haven't like really talked shit on. All yeah. of the tech giants, yeah, <laughs> even Tim Apple. Yeah, dude. <laughs> so I think what's going to happen is I'm probably going to start a true crime podcast, get that sponsored, and then just use that money to fund Snacks Packs but and just keep going. We want to go for that Joe Rogan money, but we were planning on not saying the N-word absolutely yeah. at all. No, at, yeah, never, like actually. Zero, right? Yeah, yeah. zero times. Yeah. Um, not what, 80 times. So I need I need to tell you. you hear about all that? Yeah, well, I saw a meme about it, but I haven't like looked into it. I guess it they were found, uh, they really just unearthed old podcasts. Oh. oh, Joe Rogan podcast where he just said the N-word a lot. And he also compared being around a lot of black people to uh, Planet of the Apes. Yeah, just Why? shocking, Why? terrible I, garbage. That sounds like yes, something... And it stands still fucking trying to defend That, that sounds shit. like a joke that would be made if I was like 12. 12. And I was like, this is edgy he and is. funny, dude. Um, as a fucking adult, as an adult, you say these things. Like, how does that so sound? Famous. Like, Yeah, how does that sound like... A good idea coming out of your mouth. Like, ignoring um, how morally terrible it is, I'm like, you're a famous man. That's you know a, that your words are being recorded. Yeah, and that's you're saying This that. is behavior I would expect from a white suburban kid who lived the most sheltered life and never had any, like, actual struggle What ever. kind of shit does Joe Rogan say not on the podcast? Yeah, I, honestly. Holy honestly. fuck. You know, he I barely also, censors himself. I also noticed last episode I said honestly a whole lot, so I'm going to try not to do that. Honestly. I get, I get stuck on these words, and I just say them so over I'm and over. In, uh, last man on earth right now yeah. and uh matt the matt forte or will forte yeah will forte. uh says friggin all the time really and i've noticed i've dropped fucking yeah completely. <laughs> and, just started saying and, and i was like uh, whatever the first episode probably... of the podcast uh a friend of mine texted me and was like he was like you know how many times you said absolutely your first Two episodes. I was like, "How many?" He was like, "43." You can't. I was you like, piece oh, of you shit. Fuck you, dude. I gotta go edit yeah. my podcast. <laughs> I felt you so bad. Son of a uh, bitch. So this weekend, I had a show in Memphis. Um, oh yeah. First like solo show. Super cool. Super cash. Super fun. Um. So we get there. We set up. It's me and Casey, our photographer. We set everything up, and um, the thing is, our table is on stilts. Quite literally on stilts. They look like planters that have been turned upside down. Okay. Uh, because it's okay. too low, so it, it's got to be high enough the banner looks okay. And so it's on stilts. This was instead of buying a taller table. Then you did it, so it was okay. on them. Okay. So um, okay. we were like, okay, well, we'll just have people not step on the table or hit the table, I guess, whatever. So usually we have a road case where the DJ board sits in the road case and the laptop sits on top of it. But Austin was doing a show in Minneapolis. That's the Jenga tower. Uh, yeah, uh, well, but it's all like it's designed to do that, oh, so it all okay. fits in correctly. Sure, like, sure. So, um, so Austin was doing a show in Minneapolis, and so he had the road case. So I have my DJ board on the table, and I have my laptop next to it. 
So show goes great, fine, perfect, cool, fine, groovy, um, super fun, super cash, and then we get to about midnight. We're gonna end at midnight. You said 30. cash three times, dude. That's true. That's Keep an eye on that. One. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh shit. Um, so we're we're gonna have a good time. Midnight rolls around. Uh, you know, we are gonna end at midnight thirty because it's just a thinner crowd. Like Memphis isn't a huge market, which is not that big a deal. Kind of so, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So I we, bet the Taylor show be huge there. Taylor Fest has sold out every. They sold out Chicago twice, That's two nights crazy. in a row. Crazy. We are. Hold on. I need to tell you how much money they cleared. I'm going to okay. mute myself though. Hold on. I mean, that's all right. That's yeah, a very for, reasonable amount of money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Like, like we were talking to Kendra, and she was like, yeah, the venue, owned, like the guy, the front of house manager, looked at the check, redid his math five times, like, nah, that's... called the head of security to come in and do the <laughs> math do as math? well. <laughs> yeah, it, dude, it was crazy. But anyways, so that's we... That's incredible. Yeah, that's insane. I, have a st- I went to stupid engineering school. Yeah. <laughs> what a waste right. of my fucking life. Um, so... Uh, we're 30 minutes before the show ends. These two fucking jabronis, uh, one of them was a jabroni, in sequence jackets, blue sequence, sequence jackets. Sequence, okay. yeah. They get on stage, on stage for two seconds, one of them runs directly into the table and knocks one side over. So <gasps> the table flips down like this yeah. and then ultimately does this because the other yeah. side is like high up. A white, My white claw on the other end of the table... Tips over all over my lap, my brand new yeah. $1,100 laptop yeah. and the DJ board. And luckily my laptop works except for this water stain behind the screen no. now. Dude, I'm, I'm, like, I cannot tell you how fucking bummed I am. Like this brand new laptop got fucked up because this guy Can't was you too get drunk. That with Apple I, I might be able to. I got to see if like, because my stepdad bought it for me because he was like. Oh, did like, he buy that at the shop? Not. Amazon. Oh, okay. Uh, Apple yeah, Store and Amazon. So because he was like, you know, you've been you so get it fixed. He was like, you've been so self-sustaining for a long time. Like, let me do this for you. And I was like, okay, cool. But um, so my A dad, when I'm self-sustaining, he's like, sweet. Yeah. Fuck Done. off, dude. I mean, my Done. my dad, my real dad was like that, even when I wasn't self-sustaining. He was like, get fucked, kid. Yeah. And uh, but my stepdad's a good dude. So, anyways, um, I uh, his friend, his sober friend grabs the table and is like holding it. And I'm like shining my flashlight and I'm like, hold this up. So I fix the stilts, whatever, you know? And I tell his friend, I'm like, listen, I know your homie is intoxicated. I get it. I was like, is he fucked up? And he was like, yeah, he's pretty drunk. And I was like, all right, I get that. We're having a good time, but he is not allowed on stage anymore. Yeah. You do not bring him up here. I'm not going to kick him out. I'm not going to chew him out. Cause I know he's I'm fucked up. I'm not going to kick him. In yeah. The face. Yeah. And I was like, get him off stage. So they leave and we're playing. Casey gets done taking photos and comes up to the DJ booth. And I'm like, hey, take over for like two minutes. I'm going to go smoke a cigarette real quick. Kind of like take a breather. <clears throat> um, so I walk outside and it's not uncommon for us to cut the music when the chorus of a song comes up. Like, so chorus comes, cut the Everybody music for a couple it. seconds. Yeah. Everyone sings, turn the music back okay, on. Okay. So I'm walking outside and I and we're playing Blink 182. I miss you, and I hear the song cut at the perfect time of the chorus. And I was like, "Damn, that's a really good cut, Casey. Good job." And then I hear them just continue on singing, and I'm like, "Are you? It's a fucking sing along? Hey, like bring, you're gonna sing? The, the yeah, cut, bring the, the, the music, music back yeah. up. Yeah. Well, not, so, nice long cut yeah, there. Yeah, Whoa, yeah, long. Yeah. It's too many slices." <laughs> <laughs> So I walk inside. I like I like peek my head inside, and I'm like looking around. And the door guy's like, "They're trying to fix it." And I'm like, 
trying to fix what's it. What's happening? Yeah, I was like, what do you mean? And so I run up onto the stage and I'm like, what's going on? He's like, the DJ board just died. I don't know. So uh... sound guy comes up. Apparently it blew a breaker and fixes it. Every, music comes back Hell on. Yeah, sound guy. Yeah, music. Sound, honestly, the... Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Did we get rid of the applause? No, we didn't. Oh. <laughs> you just hit the pan flute music button. <laughs> oh, shoot. Um, so, sound guy is up there, and the staff at Growlers was fucking awesome. They are like st- top tier people. I didn't, I didn't know if we had a lighting guy either, but he was just hiding away. But I was like, if we have a lighting guy, can we get the lights turned off? Boom, lights are turned off. You're like, like, where are yeah, you? Yeah, I'm like, you mystic motherfucker. <laughs> um, so, sound guy fixes everything, music comes back on, but it feels. Ten times louder. Like I like have to like cover my ears with how loud it is. Holy and shit! And I'm like, I'm like, holy, and you're fu- practically dead. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, holy shit. So I'm like, all right, we're good. Um, we start Black Parade. I'm like singing with everybody. I've got my Black Parade jacket on. Halfway through the song, dies again. Oh. I turn around to the DJ bo- booth, and the board is like sputtering to life. Like it's trying to work. The flights are blinking, <laughs> and fl- yeah, it's like it's on its last legs. And I'm like, dude, fuck. I was like, all right, well, come on, yeah. Luckily, Just one more song. Luckily, it was only like ten minutes before we actually were going to end the show. So I got on the mic and I was like, hey, everybody, like, I'm sorry, some fucking asshole spilled drinks all over our stuff. Like, it's not. And working. it was that yeah. guy. um but uh, i was like we can't continue the show like we're done like we have to call it i was like i'm my apologies like we will be back in a couple months you know we'll party twice as hard blah 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 but everyone was super nice they were apologizing to us and i was like we should be the one apologizing to you but thank you i appreciate it everyone's so desperate to be out and do something like dude it's okay and memphis Memphis had just got hit with like a hellacious ice storm so like half the city didn't have power so like people were coming out because their houses didn't have power and shit so they were warmed by the love yeah 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 so um it was a good time but i like uh it like this whole thing with my laptop, like this is a fucking brand new laptop, and that's look, tragic. Luckily, it still works. Like everything's fine. I don't have any issues. But I this, simply could not live. The, with that. Dude, I I look at it so that's much, all I and I'm like, see. God damn it, dude! I could have a thirteen or a twenty-seven inch laptop. Yeah. I'd still be like, yeah, that tiny yeah. Spot. Luckily, Austin was like, bring it next weekend. We're on the road, and we'll try to get it fixed. And like, well, let me take a look at it. Like, we'll see what we can do about it. He's always, he, you know, if something happens, he's not like, well, fuck you. You're out I mean, of luck. I, I was kind of like, yeah, that's like a work expense. I don't know. And plus. I'm sure the warranty had come. Yeah, through. exactly. You're and fine. Yeah. Six ways. I'm not. Uh, you just uh, got to yeah. do it. Which no is annoying. It next, is. next time we go to Memphis, I'm going to be like, listen, if you bump into this table, I am going to fucking throw you I like, through the window. Just this kidding. This is the only laptop I have, but I like still wouldn't want to bring it. Dude, it's, like it's that. well it freaks me out. I, I want to. I want like one of those Toshiba like bulletproof. So ones. we told we told Austin we were like, if we're gonna do this, like if we're taking over these markets, we need a road case. Like yeah. we we cannot have it sitting on the table because like if we had a road case, that would have never happened. Yeah, it, it's it just point. yeah. So um, it's definitely something Tragic. that we need to invest in. They're only like a like the and the DJ board's not that big of a loss. Like it was like. I think it's like 200, 300 bucks, which still, is still a lot of money, but it's, away. yeah, exactly. And that guy didn't even give you any money. Yeah, exactly. I, I texted my brother and he was like, do you get his insurance? And I was like, insurance? What do you, <laughs> <laughs> his personal collision yeah, insurance. Yeah. <laughs> Cause he, no, sir. my brother, my brother was a, uh, ass, a, f- fuck Apple customer tech oh. support. So like he knows the ins and outs of it, but I was like, I wasn't thinking about that when I was no. trying Plus, not to punch him in the mouth. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, 
mean, and you're like, gotta work. You can't really yeah, be fucking yeah. with that. It, like, literally, when the, the fucking DJ board was halfway off the table, a song was ending, and I had to, like, this hanging DJ board, I had to transition and play <laughs> the next song. Yeah. That's legit. Dude, you're learning fucking, real experience. Yeah, killing it right now. I oh, mean, honestly, yeah. I was like, if, if it was gonna happen, I'm glad it happened now, and we took care of it. Like, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's something you yeah. gotta do. It's a learning experience. Speaking of learning. Dude, it's so bad on guys, my Google what, Docs. Oh, oh it's so guys, bad. That's dark mode, Dude, I know. True that. True that. Uh, you guys want to... We're, we're doing cults some more. Yeah, we're covering cults. cults. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be a long one. We'll tell you that now. We'll also tell you to rate, review, and subscribe. Yeah. So I was, forget yeah. to do that. Rate, review, and subscribe. Also, uh, I was talking to the TikTok Live about this. Listens, like people listening to the podcast, is not how our analytics are based. They're based off downloads. Yeah, I know. So, I, well, I'm telling them. Oh, I'm not okay. telling you. Um, <clears throat> so if you really, really want to help us out, hit that download button, Ooh. and uh, that will really help us out. Also, for the uh, six people who use Internet Explorer to <laughs> listen to our podcast, <laughs> I just, you know, I appreciate the love. You are a quiet, you, but you, you guys use, are a different there's, breed. There's, uh, <laughs> you are. <laughs> <laughs> You're extremely rare in our audience. Yeah. Uh, so. uh, an absolute different. How the fuck do I turn dark mode on here? I don't. Remember. I did it on my I old Google laptop, everything. but I don't yeah, know any facts. Yeah, goddammit. Uh, uh, so going I'm first, covering right? Scientology. Yeah. Okay. And because I've been obsessed with Scientology for a long time, I think it's fucking fascinating because it is a a open cult. Yeah. That people will be like, oh, they're a Scientologist, and you're like, and you're, oh, what is that? Yeah. What do you mean? And you're like, it's kind of just a cult. And that's I was like that like, blew okay. my mind, and, and obviously the first time I heard about him was uh, Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy because he's a Scientologist, he's a Scientologist. Yeah. and so <laughs> I had got pretty into it. And there, my I took this religious studies course in college that I did not like at all, and he didn't like me because I slept a lot. Okay, but at one fair, point in the day, fair. at one point in the classes, he was like, "I'm getting rid of a bunch of these books. Does anybody want them?" Nobody moved for him at yeah, all. And obviously. I was like, well, shit, I'll grab some yeah. books. <laughs> and every book I grabbed was actually a banger. And really? I was like, damn. And one of the books I got was The Barefaced Messiah by Russell Miller, which is a posthumous biography of L. Ron Hubbard. Oh, okay. And then uh, I also read the book Going Clear, which is another book about uh, Scientology, but it's more about post-Hubbard oh, okay. and the, the Miss David Miscavige, yeah, which I'll yeah. get into. I've also seen some of Leia Romini's show, which is about get, escaping Scientology. She's the, the wife in King of Queens. Oh really? No She's, shit. She was oh, okay. in Scientology. Now nice. she has a show about escaping it and like interviews former that's Scientologists. Tight. That's badass. It's it's decent. It's also like TLC reality yeah, garbage. Yeah, yeah. So you know yeah. it's not that awesome. TV. Yeah, TV, it's TV yeah. exactly. Um, so I've also like met Scientologists and like you know they they get they'll recruit. I've you know I accidentally like walked up to a Scientologist booth at a bookstore once and I was like I was like looking at what they had and I'm like oh L Ron Hubbard you got some old sci-fi oh. Oh shit! Uh, this is oh you, you guys, guys are a cult. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the book "Barefaced Messiah," incredible book, highly recommend. Extremely comprehensive about L. Ron Hubbard's life. So the way I'm going to cover this is L. Ron Hubbard's life, and then Scientology after him, because so, you have to understand Hubbard to understand Scientology. Um, so we have B. H. and A. H. So before, or I'm sorry. DH and age, so during Hubbard, after Hubbard. You're going to have to remember that joke. <laughs> okay. There's something coming up. Uh, so uh, the if you Google Scientology, their website is the number one result even over Wikipedia. And, and you know, who, what's the best way to learn about Scientology is from their own Straight mouths. from their website. So they say 
It's developed by uh, L. Ron Hubbard. Scientology is a religion that offers a precise path leading to a complete and certain understanding of one's true spiritual nature and one's relationship to self, family, groups, mankind, all life forms, the material universe, the spiritual universe, and the supreme being. Okay. Scientology addresses the spirit, not the body or mind, and believes that man is far more than a product of his environment or his genes. Scientology comprises a body of knowledge which extends from certain fundamental truths. Prime among these are, man is an immortal spiritual being. His experience extends well beyond a single lifetime. His capabilities are unlimited, even if not presently realized. Okay. Do you feel like you understand anything about Scientology from that? I don't know. Mm, but it I, sounds it sounds kind of humanist. I mean, it, you know. the, the thing I get from it is basically the last part where they're like, you know, man's power is is... Unlimited, even if not presently yeah, realized. Yeah, that's like a, they are. We are celestial beings. Yeah, We're all celestial beings. That's yeah. a good vibe. That's a good read on it. Honestly, yeah. <clears throat> uh, I also like the Wikipedia definition of it because I think it encapsulates the oddity of Scientology and it defines it as Scientology is a set of beliefs and practices invented by American author L. Ron Hubbard and an associated movement. It has been variously defined as a cult, a business, or a new religious movement. And that's pretty dead yeah, on because yeah. it is kind of hard to describe. And um, but I mean, cult is just a good word. Yeah, we're yeah, gonna yeah. call it a cult. Yeah, it's a cult. It's a cult. Yeah, it's 100%. a hundred percent. I love that South Park did a Scientologist. Are you gonna talk about that? Or, oh no, uh, no. But they okay. got a lot of smoke no, for yeah, it too. But they did. It's like I love that when they're doing the episode on Scientology. It's they have a disclaimer that's like this is not made up. This is what they yeah, actually believe. Yeah. yeah. Um. The and that's why I wanted to get into L. Ron Hubbard so you understand where it came from, and what he made it to be. Uh, the Wikipedia page, interestingly, has tons of editors that were removed for sock puppets, and the major contributions are by a dude who only edits UFO and QAnon articles. No shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so dicey stuff. Yeah. Uh, our legend, uh, Sir Amante whatever, the Wikipedia legend, yeah, has not yeah. touched any of these articles. Really? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I check for him every time now. Dude, like, yeah. Did I see him? I don't know. Does he, do, he do it? Dabble his toes in this. Yeah, come on, Steven. Yeah. <laughs> looks like your work. So, to understand the religion, you have to understand its founder. Uh, his first name is Lafayette, so already off Good to a Lafayette, rough step. Dude. Lafayette, Ronald Hubbard, was born in March 13, 1911 in a small town in Nebraska. The only son of a sailor and a housewife, he was a lonely child. At the age of two, they moved to Montana, where his dad worked as a manager for a movie theater, where Ronald... Uh, spent a lot of his time obsessed with the traveling road shows, pirate swashbucklers, and explorer flicks of the time. Because nice. this is pre-20s. Yeah. At the age of six, his father re-enlisted in the Navy for World War One, while his mother, mother worked as a clerk. He's reported to be a very imaginative child, capable of entertaining himself for hours with made-up plays and stories out of the simplest objects. Nice. And he didn't have a lot of friends because yeah. they moved a lot. And he's a weird little kid. Nice. So nice. they had to move several times in the 20s, first to San Diego and then Seattle. And the Seattle trip was via a U.S. Navy transport ship, which delighted the young Hubbard because he was obsessed with that Yeah, ship. yeah. Uh, I'd be all about it. It was on this trip that he made friends with a Navy psychoanalyst who he taught or who taught him a little bit about Freud at the time because Freud was yeah. alive. Although Hubbard says that this man was a close correspondent with Freud and one of the founding fathers of psychoanalytics, um, there's no claim about anybody of that name, nature, or okay. relation to him, and he did not serve in the Navy. Yeah. So then uh, after his trips and whatever, he came back to Montana. He joined the Boy Scouts and got his Eagle Scout badge at the age of 13. Nice. Claiming he was the youngest ever. The Boy Scouts don't keep track of how yeah, old yeah. people were at the time, still, so there's absolutely uh, yeah. no way to verify that claim. You know, and also 
so you're, what the fuck else you got to do back then? Yeah, just get be get yeah. all your badges. Everybody and also, like, it. if you're if you're gonna make a claim of that you're something, you know, why not? It's harmless. Young that one's pretty harmless. Badge. Like, okay, buddy, you can have that. Like, yeah, not, I'm, not right. gonna, I'm not gonna look. I'm into not that. gonna weasel yeah. him on that <laughs> <Yeah>. one. <laughs> so in 1927, at the age of 16, his father was stationed in Guam with his mother, but he was left in Helena, Montana, to finish his schooling. He did get to visit his family. Though, uh, also his mom leaving him was ruthless. He was a big mama's boy, and she yeah. was fucked off yeah, she to was Guam. Like, Peace out. She loved bitch. her husband a lot and didn't get to see him a lot. Yeah, and uh, she loved him more than her son. She's like, she's like Lafayette. I just need to do this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It sounds ridiculous. <laughs> sounds um, like a fake name. It, but yeah. <laughs> he was named after his like grandma. Really? Okay, yeah. Which yeah. I was like, you don't yeah, do that. Yeah, That's like, fucked up. Yeah, name a boy. My I'm, name was Doris. Like now, today. All right. Yeah. Okay. Lafayette could be yeah, yeah, neat. Yeah. Hundred yeah, percent. Sure. But back then, no. Why? Like you're there like was John's and Paul. It's like a boy named Sue. Like you want to make his, her his life is hard, real hard. Uh, so he made two trips to the east coast of China, where he had brief stops at ports before he went to Guam. God, could you imagine just like going places like that? Now, like then you just like I'm gonna hop on a ship. He got on a car. Yeah. Yeah. He was tra- on a cargo ship yeah, in the twenties. Go hang out in China it's for a rough bit. you know and like and when planes started coming around you're like yeah I'm just gonna bring my um fucking giant bottle of tequila on oh, this absolutely. plane yeah. yeah do you mind if I smoke four cigarettes yeah, like, yeah. it'd be weird if you did yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine smoking cigarettes in an uh, an enclosed airplane like I just horrible horrible, horrible dude. <laughs> dude old airplanes used to be dank too like uh the old like uh DC-8s and C-47s, they used to just set up, like, they used to be, like, purely luxury, so they had, like, beds and, like, oh, bars no in there. That's yeah, I, I thought that shit was the coolest. I learned about that before real planes as a kid, because yeah. I was obsessed with airplanes, and then I was bummed that there's, like, almost no beds yeah, on normal yeah, airplanes. Yeah, it's, uh, it's the, uh, the, to- the, the excess of the time. People yeah. were extreme excess. So, the official Scientology records state that he worked aboard a coastal trader which plied the seas between Japan and Java. He came to know old Shanghai, Beijing, and the western hills at a time when few Westerners could enter China. Um, He also met the last Chinese magician from the line of Kublai Khan and spent weeks questioning Buddhist lamas. He also claims to have had a run-in with Cantonese pirates and fought an Italian swordsman. Jesus Christ. Uh, There's no records that he went to western China, Tibet, or India and uh, he didn't work on nice. a ship. He so it's was all just, just traveling. He's just like, look at all these things I did. And people are like, all right, you did them. <laughs> <laughs> so next couple years goes back and forth while he's finishing high school. Eventually goes to the Washington University of Engineering as a civil engineer. Uh, he was there for one summer semester and then another full year, reaching probation by the fall of 1932. And, and the spring semester did not return. Okay. Because his grades sucked ass. He had like a D fair, average. Fair. That's in the book, too. They're like, <laughs> he had a D yeah. average. I was like, God, his ass. <laughs> uh, official Scientology lore is that he was a member of the first U.S. course in a formal education in no- nuclear physics and is listed as having a BS in civil engineering. He does not. Really? No, no shit. No. They're just fucking lying. He doesn't there. have Alliance. that. He, and also, he didn't go to that nuclear course at all. No. Mm. No, he didn't. Uh, he spent much of his time on extracurriculars, writing for and participating in a flying club, but like gliders. Yeah. And also writing for the student newspaper for a few months. His official bio claims he was a, bion- a pioneering barnstormer at the dawn of American aviation. Dude, barnstormers were fucking legit, legit and they fuck. died a lot. I, I just listened to a story about like uh, like the first uh, the first black woman to become like a, a 
A barnstormer? Uh, a barnstormer, but, like, just a pilot in oh, general okay. in the U.S. Like, she had to fly. Her brother told her he was, like, an aviator in the in World War One, I, I think, and her brother was like, yeah, women don't have opportunities like they do in France. He was, like, at the barbershop oh, while I she was I've doing her nails. Yeah, yeah, Bessie. And he was like, and he was like, you'll never fly this, that, and the other. She's like, fuck you. I'm okay. Goes to France and, like, yeah. learns French yeah. and everything. And, yeah, <laughs> and just, like, becomes a pilot and becomes a barnstormer. Dude, crazy. It's nuts. Yeah. Uh, the... Uh, yeah, so Pioneer, he says, it also claims that he was a roving reporter for Sportsman Pilot. Um, he also organized an expedition aboard the school's schooner to the Caribbean as a motion picture expedition where 40 men, because it was originally going to be 50, 10 bailed immediately, okay. uh, took them to Bermuda. Then they ran out of water and nice. had to leave early, <laughs> although he claims that they offered valuable, valuable data for the university's research. Uh, also, at that time, he had no pilot's license and was not allowed to fly powered planes. And that did not stop him from being a longtime rider for Sportsman Pilot. Really? So he never flew a single motorized aircraft and was like, a, Here I am. A, a respected contributor yeah. <laughs> to Sportsman Pilot. Because as we have pined for so many times... You could say anything you wanted yeah, back then. Yeah, people and would just believe, believe you. you. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was totally a flyer. He had a habit or a knack, just like uh, God damn it, I forgot his name already again. From the I love you, Philip, Philip Morris. Morris. Oh, Stephen J. Russell. Stephen Russell. Yeah. He had a knack of like picking up jargon. And, yeah, and people yeah. really believed him. Yeah. And he, um, so anyway, after university, he married in 1933 and began writing for pulp magazines because he found out you get paid by the work. Yeah. And he was a relentless writer, creating entire stories without pausing. No, no notes. Shit. For six weeks, he wrote a complete story of 4,500 to 20,000 words every single day. Jesus Christ. Just yeah. banging, banging it out on a typewriter. Yeah, good God. Um, he actually made enough money to take his wife on a small vacation to the beach where she was swept out to sea in a riptide, barely made it back, and the exertions made her go into early labor, forcing or and birthing a two-pound baby boy. Really? Uh, I'm not going to talk about his son very much because he doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. It does not come up at all. Yeah. Really? Like, really. It, it, there's no... Oh, this is L. Ron Hubbard's kid. Yeah. They don't give a yeah, shit. Fuck this dude. Um, so Hubbard was not a great father, more interested in writing than parenting, leaving that to his wife. And he wrote, and he wrote, and he wrote. And he just made books and books and books. And if you don't know, L. Ron Hubbard has the Guinness Book, a world record's world record, for producing the most published novels. Really? Over 200 Jesus novels. Jesus Christ. Just cranking yeah. them out. And he was hanging with the boys. He hung out with Arthur C. Clarke and Isaac Asimov. Really? Like, the OGs. He tried to get in a writing club up there. Everybody hated him. He was really unpleasant, and he lied all the time. You don't say. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. So, um, until the start of World War II, he was a writer. And, and then he became commissioned as a lieutenant in the Naval Reserve. In 1943, in charge of a small sub-chaser, he ordered the crew to fire the deck guns and drop all 35 depth charges at a Japanese submarine. What? It got other ships involved. They also fired at it, dropped uh, depth charges. Uh, an after-action report by the Navy concluded uh, that there was no submarine. Oh, nice, nice. Naturally, And, and naturally. he made them bomb yeah, that yeah. shit. <laughs> More! This fucking school of dolphins down there just got absolutely <laughs> obliterated. <laughs> 35 death charges. Yeah, good God. Um, 
Then a month later, he ordered his crew to shoot at the Coronado Islands, owned by Mexico, which was allied with the United States in World War II, yeah. and he was subsequently removed from command. That's probably good. Because he shot at yeah, an ally. Yeah, it's probably a good idea. <laughs> probably Ron, you're out of yeah, fucking control. Yeah, you're fucking losing your mind, bud. Uh, you're losing your edge, Lafayette. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he grew depressed, asking the VA to pay for his psych treatment, which was denied, and angered him permanently against the entire field of psychiatry. Yeah. Um, again, he continued to write books this entire time, and at this point, he probably had about 20 books out, 30 to 40 short stories, and, and no one knows how many magazine articles. Jesus Christ. Yeah, there's that yeah, many. good God. Um, and he was, again, like, awarded by a sportsman pilot for his contributions. That's crazy. Still hasn't Never flown a plane. A plane. But, dude, you know that he milked that being in the Navy for every cent it was worth, bro. dude. Oh, oh uh, yeah, of exa- course he's he like, did. He's like, oh, God, I want to be in the Navy and shoot pirates. Yeah, and they're it, like, Pir- pirates? <laughs> that, it's not real. They don't exist, okay? <laughs> sir, sir. <laughs> Scallywags, bro. After the war, he moved into the mansion of Jack Parsons, a founding scientist of the Jet Propulsion Lab and a famed occultist, a follower of Alistair Croyle, the original, uh, you know, the... He's like Talking a about Alistair and, Crowley. Is that right, Crowley? Crowley. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Alistair Crowley. Yeah. He was a follower of him. Um, really? Yeah. Uh, and also a founder of the Jet Propulsion Lab that fucking put us on the moon, bro. Oh shit! <laughs> Alistair Crowley was Dude, such a fucking nerd. Oh, uh, uh, absolutely. And all the people who followed him were dweeb, nerds. Super dweeb. Uh, um, and people always like uh, associate him with like. Satanism and stuff like just that. Because he's of just he's a, he's a fucking nerd occultist. That's all he is. Yeah. Like, he's just a fucking dweeb. Um, so it was here that Ron was exposed to the occult and it's invaluable use for getting bitches because <laughs> nice. there were lots, yeah, lots. They were they were doing all sorts of naked lady ceremonies where they cover them and stuff. One of one of, and have one sex of with them. Alistair Crowley's like uh, principles in the the pseudo religion he created was that sexual like. Uh, exposing children to like sexual activities at an early age is like a must. Like, you have, yeah, he's not a good dude. That's actually kind of a theory in Ursula Le Guin's book too, but he has a much more organic view about it. It's not about exposing. <clears throat> yeah, children, yeah. It's about them not being afraid of it. Which you know. Yeah, it, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. So L Ron's like, damn, we we getting hosed for this? Yeah. Like, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. And he also learned hypnotism, which he was super about because he's a creep. Uh, so Naturally. it's 1950. Rod's Ron's been banging broads, hypnotizing hoes, flying his stunt plane all over the country allegedly. And in May, he publishes an article called "Dianetics: The Evolution of Science," and also a full-length book because he can just whip one of those. Yeah. Out, called "Dianetics: The Modern Science of Mental Health." This this is referred to as the seminal event of Scientology. Really, a common Scientology date scheme is to refer to things as. Before Dianetics and after. Oh, Dianetics. okay. Yeah. Okay. I was like, damn, you're yeah. pretty close. To that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you know, we are. This was 1950, so we are in the year 72 AD after okay. Dianetics. Yeah, after Dianetics. Um, basically, it's like therapy, but they call it auditing, where an auditor helps you recall traumatic events from your past. They're not terribly well trained, and they're very suggestive. So they're like, "Oh, maybe you think you see this." Yeah, that's not how it that's works. Not, yeah, it's actually no, no, an amazing no. way to plant false memories. One hundred percent. It's actually yeah. the recipe to do mm-hmm. it, but it's not for actually helping people. The auditors uh, were very suggestive, and they were trying to help you to remove your engrams, which are painful memories. And the act of removing these painful memories is called clearing. 
It was around now that he started downplaying his writing career a little bit so he could come off as a real man of science. Yeah, yeah. Using his believers to rope doctors in uh, with wild claims of 100% cure rates from a man who doesn't even know how to do medicine. Dude, that's crazy. He advertised it as better than anything psychologist prof- or psychologist, psychiatry, any of that profession could come up with. As it was much faster, much more accessible, blah, 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 yeah, obviously, because yeah. it's not uh, the Does, process. doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> um, and in the 50s, though, it did kind of line up with some prevailing thoughts at the time about, like, humanism and the brain and, you know, bullshit. Yeah, but you can just make outlandish claims. Absolutely. And, and some psychiatrists were like, yeah, I found that same thing Absolutely. in my studies. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people – so it, it actually got huge. It, it became, like, a big uh, – like. Atkins diet equivalent of like a household phenomenon because really? the idea was you could teach your friends how to do it and then you could guys could do it to each other. Yeah, it's so yeah. easy, um, and it did get printed big. Uh, so they tried submitting them to a medical and psychiatric journal, but were rejected. No shit. The book, however, was a New York Times bestseller for six months. Other publishers had him on their bestseller list for over a hundred weeks. God, so it was damn. a huge yeah, deal. Holy shit! Uh, and he starts raking in dough. Oh, I can imagine. So uh, it starts getting big. Comes household fad designed to be accessible. Around 1951, as some followers start reporting the experience of the traumas of their past lives because of the suggestion. Ah, okay. They're like, oh. And it was in this science that yeah. Hubbard discovered the Thetan, a soul that is immortal, changing earthly forms. He also introduced a, a electropsychometer, an E-meter for short, yeah, yeah. to the audits to detect a mind's changes. If you've ever seen It's Always Sunny, that thing that yeah, they hold is yeah, almost yeah. exactly what it looks really? like. No I'm shit. not kidding. It, they just hold them. I remember that from the South Park episode, too. Yeah, like just... and they, they claim that they can detect the changes in your psyche and the needle goes up as your engram is getting clear. Listen, nine times it. out of ten when you go do that at Scientology, they're going to tell you you need their help. D, where, do you put, where does he put his feet? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. You know, It doesn't yeah. matter where you put your feet for the e-meters. <laughs> um, and by 1952, the Hubbard Dianetic Research Foundation was being accused of teaching medicine without a license, started getting some charges thrown at him, and they were bankrupt by the end of the year. Nice. Because, nice. you know, he's trying hey, to do medicine. what if we get fucking stalked by Scientology after this episode? Oh, that'd be lit. That'd be great. That'd be so yeah, legit. that'd be so tight. famous. Yeah, I would fucking, uh, I would open fire on some, um, I'm going to stop watching. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, the also, the big thing that hit him was the FDA was going after him for the e-meters, because uh, they were like, it does stuff. No, it, does it does it. Not. Yeah, it does not. Um, you know those little shock games that you play where you all hold on to one of the yeah. metal things, and who gets shocked? It's it's basically. It's, it's a refurbished yeah. one of those, basically. Yeah. Uh, it was like a very simple little meter yeah. hooked up to two paddles. Like, mm. it's nothing. Yeah. Uh, Ron got a taste of the good life. He's got a following. He's got hose. He's got money. Starts changing the discussion from a hard science to more of a spiritual experience. There you go. Are you taking notes? There you talk about making our religion. Yeah, that's true. This that's is true. the point. That's the way to go. Dude, Basically, it looks like a fucking clock radio attached to two tear gas canisters. <laughs> Yeah, the old ones. Yeah, that's yeah. one of the old fancy yeah, yeah. ones. I kind of want to buy one, that, an OG that'd one. Be, that'd, be, that'd be legit. This one looks really nice. Oh, that'll that, catch yeah. all your anger, uh, dude. One hundred ten percent, right out of there. Only five thousand dollars. I don't know. Oh, no, I was I like, just, oh my yeah. god. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the oh, didn't I? Is this John Travolta oh, getting his emails so, read? I know there's a lot of actors. Yeah. I know he's one of them, yeah. but the picture of young John Travolta yes. getting his his yes, that's crazy. So by um. Ron's got a taste of the good life, getting his bitches. Basically, the idea is 
through Dianetics, they isolated the physical entity of the soul and called it science, and and it's good for you, Yeah, and you should do it. Um, he had been pretty anti-religion in the book Dianetics. Yeah. And because he was an edgelord, of course, of course, but also religious bullshit. So. Oh, wait. They do cost like $5,000. Okay. Spice has an article, what's inside a $5,000 Scientology e-meter? It's got a lot of shit yeah, in there. Yeah, that's got way more stuff than doesn't I expected. doesn't do anything. Yeah, no, it doesn't. Um, so he, starting to recognize the legal and financial benefits, he be- gets the idea to convert this thing to religion. Yeah. And he even, like, there's letters to him like, hey, what do you think if I tried this? You know, like, and, and someone was like, man, if you want to make money on this, turn it into religion. Yeah. Like, no. Oh, yeah. We've got the right idea yeah. here, dude. Um, so he starts charging $500 for 24 hours of auditing, God which damn. in 22, uh, 2022 <laughs> would be $5,200. Jesus. And yeah, that's, what is that? 20, that's like over $200 an hour. That's That's nuts. crazy. Yeah. Um, and he starts establishing churches all in uh, New Jersey, Washington, D.C., California, Australia, the U.K., New Zealand, France. Anywhere he fucking can get a church, he puts one in. Starts running into uh, um, more legal troubles about the e-meters all over and rapidly develops his religious philosophy. Um, and when he steps down in 1966 as the director of Scientology to focus on his writing and research. So the church gets going, and there's I really wanted to get into a lot of it. I'm going to try to keep it slim. But this is around the time that he started um, this secret Scientology town in Florida. Really? That is That had a base that, like, this was like an old plantation house that would be – Let's say ten house, ten rooms. Yeah, and they had like eighty people in oh, it. Oh shit! And they were like filling up the town, and people were like, "What the fuck's yeah. going on?" And they were, and everyone claimed to not be a part of Scientology, ah. but this was part of like he had these stashes That's of crazy. these little churches all over. That's wild. Yeah, That's for real. Smart, um, I guess. So he steps down and wants to focus on his research, and he really wants to fucking nail down this religion aspect. Yeah, of yeah. It. That's what he's trying to do. Uh, it was then that he founded. Sea Org. You know about this? Sea Org? Yeah. Uh, mm. This Sea Org was a paramilitary navy where the members sign a one billion year contract. Ah, uh, yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. All day and night for yeah. room, board, and $75 a week. The Sea Org basically why floated. Would you, why would a, you do this? Why <laughs> would you do this to that's the That's. I, so is this $75 a week back then? Back then. Okay. Not, that's nothing. Still, no, still it's not no good. Money. It's still no not money. good. Why no. would you do this to no, yourself? It's no money at all. You can't live off of yeah. fucking, you know, that little. Um, and the the one billion year contract is because your soul is immortal. Yeah, yeah. So even though you shed your earthly corpse, yeah, you can't yeah. just not work for L. Ron Hubbard later, idiot. So the Sea Org basically floated around the world at Ron's whims looking for treasure Treasure yeah, pirates, he, dude. Yes. Yeah, he was super about pirates. Yeah. <laughs> dude loved him some pirates. Yeah. That six-year-old him watching a pirate on TV was the most fucking. I mean, honestly, he fact. went. Th- he went for it. He was like, "I. This is what I believe. I'm gonna look for treasure." So, and he um, was saying that he was looking for also like old artifacts yeah. and stuff like that. Um, so the. Yeah, they were looking around, avoiding tax authorities, and also they acted as a training ground for his most dedicated followers. Because mm. you're in the shit. Yeah, you're They're like, scrubbing deck with toothbrushes nah, all the time. Uh, children were placed in a cadet org, if you're in Sea Org. Oh, okay. Members were not allowed to marry outside the church or fuck without marriage. Classic. Classic, dude. Absolutely classic. classic. I will admit, Elrond didn't really 
there was nothing about you gotta fuck me to get up there. Yeah, that, you didn't have a lot of that. And that's funny because nine times out of ten when we see a cult, it's like you gotta you gotta all it's you about. gotta bang the the because he definitely you, had nine some times, concubines, but yeah. it wasn't like I mean and that's the only way nine to, times out of ten the cult leader is somebody who in modern in, in real life could not get someone to have sex with him. So they look up a picture of what this dude Yeah, looks no, like. he looks <laughs> younger. When he was younger, he doesn't he's not yeah, that bad looking, yeah. but as he got older, he looks like a sack of fucking a box Garnish. of mayonnaise. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um the couples with children were forced to leave the Sea Org until the child was six years of age, where the children were then raised communally and they were allowed to visit their parents on the weekend. Okay. The Sea Org was also responsible for the Rehabilitation Project Force, which is a series of work camps designed to isolate and punish members. Reports vary of locked rooms, beatings, terrible conditions, pure isolation, and starvation. Jesus Christ. They were also reported, uh, they were also audited a lot. Five to six hours a day minimum no of audit. Shit. And here's the here's the gig. It's, behind hard, audit. For, it's hard for me to take it because my stepdad is a was an auditor, auditor for Progressive yeah. for so long. So when you say auditing, I'm like, that insurance must be crazy. But <laughs> I am trying so to rewire the, my brain here. Uh, auditing is you're constantly revealing every bit they can, and they are digging and yeah. digging. And the guides are how to find more information until eventually they're getting a lot of really personal shit yeah, on yeah. you. Yeah. And they kept meticulous files of all of your audit sessions. So now they have a fucking blackmail org yeah, yeah, packed yeah. to the brim yeah. of everyone. Goddamn. And, dude, seriously, it's nuts. Um, and in... So that's that's like the Sea Org. That's a small part of it. And he was really just like fucking off from port to port trying to not get pay his taxes. Mm-hmm. That was the whole game. That's fair. In 1972, Ron begins a long period of hiding from various charges all over the world. By February of 1980, he has completely disappeared, cutting contact with everybody, including his wife. Nice. Uh, <laughs> As one does. <laughs> Ruthless yeah, motherfucker. Just, just fucking see you uh, later. The only contact he has is with two me- messengers. And he starts popping around from uh, safe house to safe house because they've got hella safe houses. Yeah, I, yeah. Dude, and unbelievable fucking resources. I mean, when you got, when you, when you have so, I mean, I would imagine they're pretty big at this point. They're having all these safe houses. I wonder when celebrities started. I'll tell, I'll get to that. So, and, and safe houses and churches all over the world means property. Yeah. All over the world. They have money, incredibly valuable property, especially on like, they have a hell of property in Hollywood, like real good Mm -hmm. shit. Uh, hold on. That's Sorry. fucking crazy too, though. Like, so so think about this. So now we have billions of dollars in research. The church owns approximately twelve million square feet of property with Hollywood at the center. Twenty six properties worth over four hundred million dollars. That's crazy. Clearwater, Florida, yeah. is the church's spiritual headquarters, where oh, they have okay. sixty eight parcels of land worth one hundred and sixty eight million dollars. No shit. They are a massive property owner, so they have millions of dollars, and they also have all of the information about every one of their members, and they, um, you know, they work them absolutely to the bone for yeah, fucking yeah. no money, you know? Yeah. And a lot of these people still have to go get jobs. They got to do their crazy. jobs yeah. and then and do then all do this the shit. Scientology stuff. And I already feel that way about normal church. You go to church twice a week, I'm like, oh my God, don't you have a job and shit? I was talking to, that when you said Clearwater, I was talking to uh, Aaron Gillespie, uh, yeah, I think I told you about him. Yeah, super cool guy. But we were talking about where you're from, and he was like, "Oh, you know, I'm headed to Florida in a couple of days after blah 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 blah." And I was like, "Fuck yeah, man!" I was like, "What? I've never been to Florida. I heard it's just hot. Don't like that." 
He was like, oh, I'm from Clearwater Beach. And I was like, oh, okay. Is Clearwater Beach the I don't same? know. Is it, is it around Clearwater? Clearwater. But, yeah, that's where he started that second cache. Okay, okay. Uh, it says it's Florida Gulf Coast, so, yeah, definitely. I don't know. That's crazy. Damn. I wonder if, he, I wonder if he's had to deal with Scientologists, people. I fucking bet he has. Um, and so his health was declining steadily because, and he had like gout and didn't take care of himself. Yeah. And, um, he, uh, died, uh, declined steadily as the organization underwent internal strife to determine a new leader. L. Ron Hubbard died in 1986 with David Miscavige named as the new head of the organization. Really? And that's the briefest background I could possibly give you about L. Ron Hubbard to give you the slightest idea of just how full of shit he yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. This man, and he was a compulsive talker, like uh, that lady in the Brian Wells case. Uh, just like her yeah, a lot, yeah, because yeah. he lied constantly, mm-hmm. too. Um, and so that's his br- brief background. So I want to do a quick overview of what the official lore of Scientology is. Okay. Then I'll cover the cult under David Miscavige's okay. tenure. So officially, Xenu... You got to buckle in. Are you buckled in? I'm buckled in. Okay. I, I know a little bit about this you from don't. the South Park episode. So, so officially, Xenu was the dictator of the Galactic Confederacy 75 million years ago who brought billions of his people to Earth at the time called Tegeek in a spacecraft that looks suspiciously identical to a DC-8 plane. Really? Just, it, that's yeah? what he said. It said it looked like a DC-8. Uh, okay. It looked like a DC-8. Okay. Real, real clever. Oh, yeah, it's a spacecraft, but it just looks like looks an airplane. exactly like a plane. One of the ones I've used to fly all the time because I, <laughs> I am a yeah, sportsman. I'm a, yeah, I'm a sports uh, pilot. Uh, so Barnstormer. He, he had his uh, DC-8 spacecraft full of billions of people, dropped them into a volcano, and blew them up with hydrogen bombs. Okay. This scene is directly referenced in a hilarious arc on Last Week Tonight. He secretly snuck in a season-long series of references really? to Scientology That's that great. ends with him <laughs> erupting the volcano <laughs> on the show, but under the premise of it not being Scientology. So I didn't get it. Yeah, and yeah. I, like he had some jokes earlier in the season that I had mentioned it. I was like, well, a lot of Scientology jokes. Yeah, but I didn't put the volcano together, and then he reveals it at the end of the season, and I like cried laughing. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, that incredible. is incredible, incredible. So they're blown up with hydrogen bombs. The souls, which were called Thetans, were flung into the air and captured via electronic ribbon and forced to watch a 3D movie for 36 days that implanted the Thetans with misleading data. It's like almost verbatim. Yeah, really? Yeah. <laughs> are you keeping a up? Lot of, a lot of misinformation so out there. So when we are making up our religion, we don't have to be nearly so yeah, Absolutely not, no. Uh-huh. So this removed the Thetans' individuality. It caused them to gather into groups that filled the bodies of the humans of Earth. These are now called body thetans. Body and that's thetans. what's in you. Okay. Ingrams are body thetans. Okay. The Earth was left as a prison planet, although occasionally we suffer alien incursions, obviously. Uh, naturally. And the only way to as clear these thetans is through auditing because identifying them makes them leave. Like spirits. Okay. The more auditing you do, the more you pay. Yeah. The more you audit, the more you tell, the higher up you go. So you're getting rewarded in the organization for giving up as much of yourself as possible. And the scariest part of it is the second life or the previous life stuff. Yeah. Like a lot of people kind of just say that's what they did. And yeah. they will like make up incriminating lies that yeah. would be really bad yeah, to yeah, explain. Yeah. So they have an incredible amount of information on you. The final level is called OT3, Operating Thetan 3, where when you learn this truth. The story behind the 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 
series is really funny because he basically whipped this thing up, and then people were like, well, where do we go? And he's like, shit, I need tears. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, people were starting to progress through him so fast, he's like, fucking God. He's like uh, racing just to make Just whipping stuff out, yeah, just add his typewriter. Basically, by OT3, it, it, well, you are supposed to be capable of flying, self-healing, like, regenerating your body. So, like, nothing a human could do. And nothing that yeah. L. Ron Hubbard yeah, did. Yeah. He died. Yeah. They obviously pass that off. His, yeah. His, his fate and his Shading, yeah. yeah shedding, uh. his, shedding his earthly body. In 1988, it would cost you over $100,000 to get to OT3. What? So, you, you can just pay to get there and then... Well, no. I mean, you pay yeah. for the sessions. Yeah, but, fair, yeah. And they okay. cost more money the yeah. higher up you go. So, the 80s, 70s and 80s is when they start a specific effort to recruit people in Hollywood. And they okay. set up offices uh, in Hollywood okay. and start recruiting agents and they start doing all this people, meeting people. So smart. So Brilliant. incredibly smart. Really? Yes. And then they start picking up, they got John Travolta. John Travolta was pivotal for Scientology. Was he one of like the first? Yes. Oh, really? Because he okay. was the first biggest. Yeah. He was yeah. a huge deal. Okay. And he was a big deal. And then they got Tom fucking Cruise. Tom fucking Cruise. And Tom Cruise was unbelievably powerful. Yeah. And he's a star. Yeah, yeah. Fun fact, they gave him his wife. They set it up. Really? They built a psychological profile of Tom Cruise, and then they picked one of his women and even modified her to look like his psychological profile would desire and then set them up and, and got them married. Bro. What the fuck? I didn't know that. That's crazy. level recruitment That's shit. insane. Yes. And she was actually a second one, I'm pretty sure, for Tom Cruise. Like They were like, nah, this one's not going to work. Yeah. You get a new one in. Get Katie so Holmes his in So his current wife? No, they're oh, Okay, okay, okay. Um, yeah. Fun fact about Tom Cruise. He got to OT3, obviously. He's got a Duh, lot yeah. of money, yeah. which he gave a lot of to the church. Yeah. And he, these are rumors. No way to report, but it was reported from former Scientologists, so you know. Yeah. I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> that when Tom Cruise found out about this, he he went and learned the ancient writings, right? He like the but wait, story finds out about what the story like, of the Zenu. story. Okay, that's cool, what I was gonna okay, say. Yeah. The story of Zenu isn't like really known. Yeah, until, yeah. And in Scientology, if you ask them about it, will never engage on it. They're really? always like, "You're misrepresenting it." Yeah, no, they're not. Oh no shit! So Tom Cruise finds out about it and is pissed. He's like, "What is this bullshit?" Yeah, and I was like. Tom Cruise, what did you think this was going to be? That, what, were you, what were you expecting? I was like, cool that Tom didn't buy into that, yeah, but yeah. also Tom bought into that pretty yeah, late. Pre yeah, yeah. So, you know. You're, you're already at OT3, buddy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Bro, an OT2 should have recognized yeah. that from a mile yeah. away. That's uh, pretty rookie OT1 <laughs> level uh, situational awareness. And so, like, they they had these super successful um, Tom Cruise, John Travolta, that, and that just, like, started sucking yeah. people in. And, yeah. they, and then they started being able to, like, you know, if they wanted to, they were, like, picking people off the street and putting them in shows. Yeah. And they're like, boom, Scientology did that for you, you know? Like, genius shit. Um. Also horrible. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's uh, yeah, all blackmail. No. I'm not endorsing any of it. I want that to be clear. I just like am shocked at the levels. Like, remember we're talking about Om Shinrikyo. I'm like, they bought a uranium. How much mine? money? Yeah, they have. They dude. bought a uranium. They were thinking about uranium like that. That's so crazy. Um, if you don't experience the feelings of OT3, you have to take the course again. Because you didn't do it right. No shit. Yeah, take of it course, again. Of course. That costs course. more money. Yeah. Um. 
if you try to learn the story without taking the other classes first, you will get pneumonia and die. Oh, naturally. naturally. Uh, obviously. As one uh, does. Uh, uh, spoiler alert. I'm covering the Mormons next week. and yeah. or, Well, a week after because we're taking a week off. Yeah. Um, the There's going to be a very similar parallel in that story. Okay, okay. But, uh, yeah, so only very few people ever get to see the OT3. Um, this story also closely re- parallels the story that Stan Lee wrote in the 1960s. That's a fun fact. It's pretty you don't similar. Say. Yeah. And they even had like a Xena or something like nice. instead of Xenu. Nice. Um also the another tactic that the church uses to keep people in is the 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 concept of suppressive per- persons, which are people who defy the church in any way. They're completely excommunicated and like no one in the church is allowed to talk to them ever again. And they also like barely let you leave the church. Like there are stories of people trying to get out and being hunted down and brought back to the the Sea Org camps. Um, uh, the King of Queens, Leah Romini. Yeah, that's she what is. To her. She, she is, had to escape. Yeah, I saw. I was I, actually it's so funny that we're talking about this because a video of her showed up on my TikTok feed of her being followed around by Scientologists. Like, yeah. she pulls into a hotel, and there's two men sitting inside that, that are, forever. like, looking at her, and they have their phones up pointing yeah. at her. And then, like, they're they're coming going down the street, and this guy pulls out of the parking lot. She's like, he's been sitting there for a long time looking at us. He, she, They're about to pull, they're about to go down the street, and this guy kind of pulls out and is, like, waving them to, they stop to let him go, and they're waving, he's, like, waving them to go first yeah. so he can follow him. And she's like, no, 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 go ahead, and, like, pulls into the parking lot, and the guy driving rolls down the window is like, like can we fucking help you? Dude, that's crazy. Dude, they and they'll do that shit. So suppressive persons will be harassed and followed, Forever. Yeah. Indefinitely. Like, they will maintain people, like, following you for as long as you may live. And, like, the Going Clear documentary has document or interviews with previous Scientologists that, like, they have video of being followed. Yeah. Um... So, and that especially is worse, like I said, or I mentioned here, that if they speak out to the media. Yeah, obviously. So, originally, Dianetics was anti-religion, not a church. But by 1954, during the money troubles, a member incorporated a church in Cali and D.C. and then paid a 20% tithe to Hubbard. They got religious tax exemption, but then they lost it because they obviously were not. Yeah, yeah. Um, And he tried again in 1959 for years in the U.K. to get a religious exemption. They weren't fucking having it. The Brits don't fall for that shit. Nice. Um, Long story short, by 1967, they lose all tax tax exemption retroactively, which means they got to pay back all their shit. No shit. And this was the start of the war on the IRS. So... L. Ron Hubbard throws, I remember this. He throws yeah. some commie words at it. Yeah. Communi- taxism, communism, yeah. they're communists. Oh, and Xenu came up with tax as an alien yeah, mind yeah. I forgot to mention. Uh, of course. Obviously. Of course. Because taxes, Xenu, right there. So they took to the seas while they were setting up a tax haven in Panama. While Sea Org members scrubbed decks with toothbrushes for $10 a week, Hubbard was, I wrote, oh, making $15,000 a week. Damn. He had, and, and the boats had, like, literal chests full of cash. No shit. Because they had did everything in cash. They had three different currencies on board, just boxes of it. Oh, my there God. There were reports of, like, needing money for something, and they were, like, going in this room and just opening it. Yeah, drawer. just open a box, grab, be, grab, grab a handful some stacks. of money. Yeah. Um, the paid for everything in cash. Uh, they also ignored their loss of the tax exemption and just 
didn't pay it. Okay, as one does. Just like my mom. Yeah. Uh, they flooded <laughs> the IRS with millions of unorganized and random doc- documents to make the audit harder, too. Like okay. They specifically fucked up their papers yeah, yeah, and yeah. threw random ones in with Nice, them. nice. And um, they also just obviously falsified documents. Uh, he used a secret Scientology sect called the United Churches of Florida as a cash-slash-fallback position, which is what I was telling you about. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, and let's see. There was – oh, another thing that they did. Did I have this in here? Oh, yeah. So by the 1980s, the IRS estimated that they owed over a billion dollars in Damn. back taxes. Which is a lot. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Uh, because they own all this property. You yeah, know, Think yeah. about that shit. So David Miscavige led a seven-year effort to infiltrate, spy on, harass, and intimidate the IRS and its individual members. Yep. They actually did a huge – this was brilliant – huge Freedom of Information Act campaign where they were like, I want this, I want this, I want this, and they asked the government for all of them, right? Yeah. So they could get them all in the same place, and then they went and stole them. Really? Yes. No, dude. Gene, that's insane. yes. That's in. That's, and that's high-level high shit. That's bananas. Shit, yeah, no, that's like – they, Damn. They were harassing individual members. They opened lawsuits against them. They stole what, their cats and dogs. That's what I was going to say, but I didn't want to get ahead of you. But I, they I was opened reading something over 2,500 lawsuits. They didn't open, yeah. Like one of the reasons they were so successful is because they didn't open a lawsuit against the IRS. They opened against individuals Everybody. in the IRS. And individuals don't want any of that. No, shit. yeah. Fuck a- no. And the way splitting that up splits up the lawyer fees because they can't all be grouped, yeah. grouped together. Mm-hmm. So eventually. Um, the cult managed to get the IRS to agree to keep the group's financial dealings secret, which is extremely rare. Yeah. And after a few years of finagling high-level meetings, they promised to drop all the lawsuits against the IRS and pay $13 million in exchange for religious exemption and no audits ever again. What the fuck? Exemption granted to 153 entities and any future entities opened. Really? Permanent tax exemption for whatever they want with secret books. That's fucking insane. They they won. David Miscavige went on the Scientology TV channel in front of everybody and said, declared the war is over. He said it on TV. And he fucked. They won. They I, beat the I, IRS. You guys, I don't know if you guys understand how hard it is to... Like, the IRS is like a... Um, is... They don't fuck uh, around. They, they're like, they're so the like the IRS, hardest, one of the hardest entities to like win against. But at the eighties, during the eighties and the nineties, uh, Reagan and then the subsequent neoliberal fascists uh, were defunding the IRS constantly, which increased this trend of now the IRS can only afford to prosecute poor people because yeah. rich people have a lot of resources. Yeah. And they wanted this big, juicy tax and exempt, mm-hmm. you know, but they couldn't get it. And they got their ass beat. That's crazy. They didn't even fire that's, a shot. That's fucking insane. Um, so I had to cut it off because there's so much. Yeah. But the church continues to be successful under David Miscavige, infamous for his ruthless brutality, beating and screaming at members and recruiting new members, um, aided by the successes of actors like Tom Cruise and John Travolta. Also, his wife has been missing for 14 years. Oh, yeah, I remember reading no one that. Knows yeah, where she is. yeah, that's, uh, also, that's, the church that's a little suspicious. Scientology. Bro, if we, we're, we're going to start getting followed. I'll be about Dude, it. Yeah, honestly. Oh, my God. What are you going to uh, I'm going to work like. <laughs> mundane shit Uh, they're like bro he's been in his house for three days yeah i don't leave my house so good luck but uh that's fucking that's crazy dude that's crazy i cut out a lot yeah the story that story is story the story is much more twisty and turny and banana wild uh, the flagrancy is what got me he was just like 
Fuck yeah, you. The, it, Fuck that. I'm going gonna to make a religion so I don't have to pay taxes. I'm going to do whatever I want. And then and he no did. one's going to stop me. He did. Mm. So I'm Honestly, about- L. Ron Hubbard was the last real American. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is this just normal chocolate? It's oh. Reese's. Yeah. <gasps> oh. So I'm going to be talking about the Jonestown Massacre. Um, I thought I had notes made up for these, but I guess I deleted them a long time ago, so I had to rewrite everything. How long um, is this? It's only like five pages. Okay. But we can get, we can get through it pretty quickly. Right. Pretty much pretty much four pages. Okay. Um, so. Uh, there's a lot of information I cut out. Jonestown is one of the most documented, well, most well documented cult slash mass suicides in history. So there's a shitload of shit out there about yeah. it. Um, so we're going to talk about, we uh, talked about them in the sneakers episode. Yeah. 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 So, uh, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to talk about, uh, good old shitbird James Warren Jones. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm gonna. Um, so he was born in May of 1931 in the rural town of Crete, Indiana, Excuse me. His father was a World War I vet who had major health issues due to chemical attacks he faced in the war. Sad. Yeah. The military pension that Jim's family received was not enough to support his family, so what? he would pick up odd jobs. Crazy, yeah. So he'd pick up odd jobs whenever odd jobs whenever he could. Blah 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 blah. Fuck his childhood. Who cares? The wife of a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck him. Yeah. The wife of a pastor basically takes him under his wing. And he gets real into religion, and he was kind of like how David Koresh could. He could quote just, like, Bible passages from okay. an early age right off the rip. Uh, he also would, like— So it was the Bible. That's, yeah? yeah? Okay. Yeah. So he would also have, like, mock funerals. He would go to a casket manufacturer. He would pick a roadkill off the side of the road, <gasps> go to this cas- casket manufacturer, and have, like, these mock funerals for this roadkill, which is kind of sweet. Dude, like, I get it. told a psychiatrist about that, he'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what he's that like. One he's means. like, I hear a lot of shit, but I've never heard that before. <laughs> he doesn't torture um, him or nothing. Yeah. He just he, buries him. So he would do these alone because none of the, none of the kids <laughs> yeah. he invited would show up. <laughs> do you want to come to my bird funeral? Yeah, it's like, nah, I'm good. Is buddy. it your Thanks bird? So. No, yeah. I just no, I found, found it. it. <laughs> yeah, I just found it. So he also claims that to have been gifted supernatural powers at one point. Uh, as a kid, he tried to prove to some of the other kids that he had the ability to fly by jumping off the roof of a building, uh, and obviously that didn't happen. He broke. He breaks his arm, and, but afterwards he still claims that he has this, these supernatural powers. <laughs> you know, there was a moment yeah. where he's like, "I think this works." Yeah, yeah. He was just like, a quick one, and then he was like, oh, the weather wasn't right. There was oh, wind. I, I, got, ate I got some a, popcorn. Uh, yeah, earlier. yeah. My hands were super real slippery. slippery. Um, so Jim Jones founds, uh, founds the People's Temple in the 1950s in Indiana. They would eventually relocate to California, I think, sometime in the 60s. But Is in- it just like a church then? Yeah. Okay, basically. just he just made a church. Yeah, yeah. So in the beginning— Wait, where was where were they located? Indiana. They, oh, and then they moved to they Oakland? Moved to, and they moved to California. That's when they did yeah. that—remember the bridge story? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, in the beginning, Jones didn't get his status all on his own. Um, he had the help of William Branham— who was a quote healing evangelist uh, and a say cult leader? Yeah, it, well, he's a Pentecostal <laughs> leader in the global quote healing revival. Um, so, Brand Branham was your run of the mill sham healer, telling people their addresses and shit and why they were there to get healed, leading them to believe he was some kind of prophet with supernatural abilities. But it was all God, it was all information they had told man. the church already. Yeah. Um, so Branham endorses Jones, saying God is using Jones to send forth a new great ministry. And at one point, Jones and Branham were preaching together and would attract crowds as big as like eleven thousand people. Oh, well, yeah, which shit. is wild. Yeah. So, oh man, Whoa. Jones, yeah. So Jones was becoming increasingly popular. Was, um, 
Was a lot of that crowd the faith healers, or you were saying Jim brought them in too? Well, it was, I mean, essentially it, they were all faith healers because he, um, Branham basically said Jones was just like him, like another like prophet, oh, okay. basically. So they thought they all like, had the healing racket, abilities. Bro, you get uh, in yeah, on he's this? like, let's go, baby. Oh. Um, and so Jones becomes increasingly popular, and he was very, very popular among the African American community in the United States at the time because That's he true. he yeah. was incredibly like people don't know this, but Jim Jones was like super progressive. He didn't believe in segregation. Like he was very much ahead of his time of in in the terms of progressive thinking, um, and he welcomed all races races of individuals to come Man. and join his congre- congregation. Sucks when they agree with you. Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> the New York Times reported in 1953, quote, declaring that he was outraged that he, uh, declaring that he was outraged at what he perceived as racial discrimination uh, in his white congregation, Mr. Jones establishes his own church and pointedly opened it to all ethnic groups. To raise money, he imported monkeys and sold them door-to-door as pets, end quote. That sounds racist. That sounds racist. Um, But he, uh, so basically, he was upset. Like, he had the People's Temple and stuff like that, but he wasn't, like, super established. So he was like, I'm going to open my own actual, like, building church, everything like that. And, you know, I need to raise money to build this building. So he went door to door selling monkeys as pets. That's insane. That's in, yeah. That's the most like fi- it's fifty shit I ever heard, dude. <laughs> Fuck, uh, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that's what people mean when they said they were born in the wrong time. Yeah, it, I just want to. I honest look. All I know, there was a lot of awful shit, and it wasn't good for everyone. But I just want to like own a pet monkey. Same. Like and and like become an unlicensed pilot that I throw like dynamite out of my plane. Fuck yeah, you know? dude. Like, Absolutely. That I just bought at the store. The wild west, gun, baby. You yeah. Know? Um, and so, I could probably still get opium at the store. So, right? like I said, Jones was super popular because he was like against segregation and stuff like that. But also, it when Jonestown came about, from what I remember reading, was like he wasn't as progressive as he made himself out to be. He was still kind of fucking racist, and that's why. <coughs> yeah, and that's <laughs> that's why the whole to raise money to support his desegregated church he went door to door selling monkeys as pets i feel like there are some racial undertones no, racist think, undertones I, I, there but it could i, I could be wrong i could be reading into I'm it just too like, much i feel like i'm ready to throw that connection out because you're going to go all the way out of your way to sell monkeys for that for to be you know that's crazy I guess, yeah i guess where do you get I, a monkey guy? i think i'm i think i'm i think i'm just reading too much into it yeah i think um, that's just a man who yeah. had a, a monkey guy and also and if i if i if push. i yeah if i hadn't read the whole notion of him like still being racist when he when jonestown was founded and like looking down on people of color maybe i wouldn't think that but i don't know that's that's if that's, you that's had, why i put the two yeah. and two together if you had someone was like, I got ten monkeys, I uh, you gotta sell these. Uh, who do you call? Yeah, what do you honestly, do? Who yeah, do you call? True, yeah. <laughs> Can you think of anyone? Who the fuck? Well, yeah, I don't know anyone who would. I well, I, I know a lot of people that would buy a monkey, but I don't know I, nobody I could call right off the rip and be like, hey, you Especially got you got like the need to money. buy the yeah. yeah yeah. I don't so, know how would I get rid of ten monkeys? I don't know, man. I, I fuck that. it. <laughs> <laughs> so in 1960, Indianapolis Mayor Charles Boswell appoints Jones director of local human rights commission. Despite him being a cult leader and like overall a piece of shit, he was like hella with the shits when it came to the civil rights movement. He helped racially integrate churches, restaurants, the telephone company, and the fucking Indianapolis police department. And he was big in uh, 
like suicide prevention. Yeah, I know. Yeah, like absolutely. Mental health, mm-hmm. which, uh, unbelievable. So uh, when swastikas were painted on the homes of two black families, Jones walked through the neighborhood and comforted the local black community and counseled white and counseled white families to not move out of the area. Uh, he even set up a sting operation to catch restaurants refusing to serve uh, black Jones? customers. Yeah. Damn. So, in 1961, Jones says that he has received visions of nuclear attack that will devastate Indianapolis. Oh. When what, what year? Uh, 1961. Wow. Um, so that will devastate Indianapolis. Uh, maybe not anywhere else, just Indianapolis. Yeah. <laughs> so he starts traveling all over South America to find a place for a new temple. And while he's gone, the People's Temple, because he oh, goes so away for a long time, getting a, so he just thinks it's. Really going to happen in America? Yeah, yeah. And he could go to South America exactly, yeah. and not get it nuked. So while he's gone, okay. the people's temple like collapses, it, like implodes on itself, and oh. so finally they convince him like to return to fix things. Like they were like, "How long was he gone?" Oh man, months. Well, in 1965, they start moving to their new location in California. Okay, so I think it might have been a couple years. Um, or like shit. two years at least, something like that. But he, I mean, man's just fucked off. Yeah, and like the person who was like running the shit when he was gone was like, was like Jim, if you don't come back, like I'm leaving. Like I, I can't. You just do this. gave me a job. Yeah, I didn't want yeah, exactly. Piece of shit. So in the fall of 1973, the people, uh, the Temple Planning Commission devises a plan to escape the U.S. in the event of a government raid. They settle in Ghana as a favorable location, and by 1974, they purchase land and supplies and begin preparing the new site for its first arrival. Did they have any reason to be afraid of the U.S. government at this time? Besides the fact that they shot an MLK? Yeah, they, I mean, they were into, like, the conspiracy of the government, uh, gov- they called them, they basically, like... But, like, was the government interested in them? Do you know? Not that I, not yeah. that I remember correctly, yeah, so. no. So they were, just, it was, They're, again, well, we gotta go to Guyana, yeah, and fear, yeah, like, why? Fear-mongering, basically. Now, how do they get all yeah. these people? So, like, just because he was ahead of his time, and, like, he was, like, you know, as most cult leaders are, very charismatic and a progressive thinker for the time, so he got those people with the like same mindset. Such a crazy jump to go from church to nuclear bunker yeah. in another yeah. continent. I mean, like, I mean we I'm I'm skipping over a lot of but stuff sure. there's a ton of information, but like during his services he would talk about like, you know, yeah. fire brimstone and he was a, like I said he was a sham healer. He would say that he healed people this that and the other. Um so Oh, he's still doing that? Yeah, oh, yeah, no, okay. no, no. And that was like the what, cornerstone of his oh, teachings, wow. yeah. So, um, in the 60s, huh? Mhm. So, um, in 1977, an article is published about, sorry, hold on, I got some of my fucking eye, is published about allegations of physical, emotional, and sexual abuse within the People's Temple. There it is. So this prompts Jones to finally make the initial push to Ghana. He convinces his congregation to come with him. He promotes uh, the commune as a means to create both a socialist paradise and a sanctuary from media scrutiny. At the time, uh, there were about 50 settlers who were expanding the commune, but it was not ready to handle a large influx of settlers. At most, it could house and shelter 200 people. But in May... Are you saying Guyana or Ghana? What? Ghana or Guyana? Guyana. My bad, yeah. Um, Ghana is in Yeah, yeah, my bad. Guyana. Okay. Um, So... um, Blah, 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 blah. So people, the people who are creating Jonestown are like, "Hey Jim, uh, we can only have like 200 people at max. Like we don't have the resources to to 
put a whole no bunch of people. So May that. of 1977, Jones is like, yeah, I don't fucking care, and yeah. brings 600 people to Jonestown. Sure. Uh, and about 499 would follow in the subsequent months. <gasps> yeah. Oh, man. So Jones moves the financial assets overseas and starts selling off property in the, in the U.S. And at the time, the church had like $10 million in assets, which is around $42 million in today's money. Yeah, they had a lot of money. So upon the move... Shit was like already kind of falling apart. And like, I didn't add this in my notes, but I, I remembered this because yeah. I did a lot of research already. So basically, um, Jonestown uh, is in Guyana. The closest city or the closest civilization is Georgetown. In Georgetown, Jonestown or Jim Jones has a like headquarters in Georgetown where like kind of the. The top oh, okay. people will go yeah. and they conduct business and stuff with the church or whatever. So that's important because I'm going to tell a story about it later. Um, so upon the move, shit was kind of already falling apart. The area was not ready for this many people. And since Jones with his father. Um, are they like in the jungle? Yes, they okay. are in the middle of the jungle. Like yeah. the, like the, the rainforest. The shits. Yeah, they are in the middle. So I'll, ta I'll talk about that's that in, cool. in a minute. So... Um, <laughs> Uh, so, just... and, and since Jones was with his followers day in and day out, like, you know, when they were back in the U.S., they would only see him at church. He would preach, heal, whatever, you know, and then they would go home and that's all they saw of him. But now that they're in Jonestown, they are, he, his followers are with him day in and day out. So because of this, he can't hide his fucking rampant drug addiction. He fucking loved popping pills. Uh, uh, in the fall of 1977. Yeah, nice. yeah. So in the fall of 1977. <laughs> the, he, the healing was opiates. Yeah, it, per, it was Perk opiate. 30s, baby. Just fucking <laughs> off his rocker. Oh, and Quaaludes uh, back then, Yeah, too. dude. The fucking <laughs> yeah. bring back the ludes. Um, so in the fall of 1977, Timothy Stowen and other temple defectors form a uh, a concerned relatives group because they had family in Jonestown who were not who were in Jonestown who were not permitted to return to the U.S. Most families, if the parents wanted the like legally, no, 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 no. Jones, Jim Jones would oh, let them. Yeah, oh. yeah. Um, so most families, if the parents wanted to defect and leave Jonestown, they were forced to leave their children behind. That's how it works. Yeah, that's, that's exactly. Yeah, game. that's like yeah. that's like a, a another cornerstone of cults, like keeping children under. Rat, yeah, rat, yeah, yeah, like, like keeping them, yeah. Leverage, yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh, so when we're forming a religion, not a cult, we yeah. won't, won't do will that. not kidnap yeah. children? Okay. Yeah, that's, uh, I think, I think we really need to separate ourselves from the children kidnappers. Yeah. Uh, it's not a good look. <laughs> so, um, kidnap one kid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, redoing this research was fucking insane because I totally forgot, like, how many people supported Jim Jones. Like, Harvey Milk wrote... To Damn. President Jimmy Carter, telling him that Jones was of the highest moral character. Like, when that it obviously didn't age well. No. So, um, April 11th, Stinger. 1970. Dude, yeah. So, April 11th, 1978, the concerned. And I, sidebar, I've read like a. I haven't read a lot about Harvey Milk himself, but I have heard stories of other. Um, incidences that he's been involved in. And don't fucking come at me. Like, I don't know, really know. I know a bit about him, but not a whole lot, but like. I was listening to My Favorite Murder, and they were talking about the man who, God, what was his name? He saved the president's life in an assassination attempt. I think it was Gerald Ford. Uh, Gerald Ford had two assassination attempts in one month. So yes. So, yeah, the hang. second one, the guy, um, the guy that saved him was basically like, yeah, you know, I, I did my due diligence, blah, 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 blah. But he was a... Um, Hold on, I'm, I'm going to find his name, because Oliver Sippel. Um, uh, Ken Rowe, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so Oliver Sippel 
saved his life, and he was like, didn't want anything to come out about him. He didn't want anything. Didn't want anything to come out about him. He was a gay man, oh. and it, you know that wasn't cool at the time. Like that, nobody was okay with that. But from what uh, the information I heard was that Harvey Milk Fox News opinion host. Oh my Tucker god, Carlson. I gotta remember the yeah team. yeah. I want to tell yeah. you this. Um, but uh, uh, Harvey Milk was like, no, we need to out you. Blah 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 because this will show the world that you know people in the gay community aren't they're stereotypical like sissies blah 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 blah, blah. we're veterans you know this that and the other he saw it as like of Oliver being a gay man as a big uh big you know win for the movement of like oh, okay it, you yeah. know combating stereotypes yeah basically. yeah yeah but Oliver was like no like my family's super Catholic they'll disown oh, me like okay and I and I I don't think if I like I said I'm going from memory I don't think Harvey Milk himself outed him but kind of like implied oh. it in an interview and it ruined Oliver Sipple's life like it like I mean he, that sucks. he like it, like when I say it ruined his life like he but it's like Harvey Milk was assassinated yeah being yeah yeah, guy, yeah, yeah. which it's, I mean yeah so but you it's, can't just put that on no somebody. yeah no this I, headline, it definitely wasn't his fault but like it I I was this headline rev- says Tucker Carlson's this is from the hill so I believe it yeah Tucker Carlson's college yearbook reveals he belonged to a club for Harvey Milk's murderer what Okay. No shit. Uh, you know, I had a lot of reasons to hate Tucker Carlson, and that's just I'll just toss that one on. What's there. one more? You know What's what I'm saying? One yeah. more. Um, because I, I I don't know. I haven't read a ton, but I've read a a little bit about Harvey Milk. There was an old LGBTQ teenage club I used to go to when I was younger. It was like a safe haven we'd go to and hang out. There'd be drag shows, and they had a giant Harvey Milk quote on the wall. It was very uh, uh very eye opening. Cool. Really uh, made me do a lot of research. But anyways, yeah. So. Uh, like I said, Harvey Milk wrote Jimmy Carter, blah, 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 blah. On April 11th, 1978, the Concerned Relatives distributed a packet of documents, letters, and affidavits to the People's Temples, to the People's Temple, members of the press, and members of Congress, which they titled and, quote, an accusation of human rights violations by Reverend James Warren Jones. And in 1978, defector, uh, defector uh, Deborah Layton provided the group with a further affidavit detailing, detailing crimes by the temple and the horrid living conditions in Jonestown. Uh, uh, this- is that what all of the crimes are about? Like, are- like, was he doing shit before well, Jonestown? He, well, again, you know, there were allegations of, like, sexual abuse, physical abuse, when stuff like that. When he was like in that. America? Yeah, when he was oh, in America. Okay. One of the reasons they left so early to Jonestown is to, to get away from that scrutiny. Oh. Um, so, also a classic cult. Yeah, movie. 100%. So the scrutiny of Jones only got worse in the summer of 1978 when he hired JFK assassination conspiracy theorist Mark Lane and Donald Free to help make the case of a, quote, grand conspiracy uh, against the temple by the U.S. intelligence agencies, Jones told Lane he would quote pull and he he wanted to quote pull an Eldridge Cleaver, referring to a fugitive member of the Black Panthers who had who was able to return back to the U.S. after he rebuilt his reputation. Uh, um, oh. So and he was that's basically he was like I want to rebuild my I'm gonna he didn't want to be in Jonestown he was like I want to go back to the U.S. but <laughs> I gotta I gotta. Like, it's he fucked my reputation. Hole, yeah. So uh, in Jonestown, shit was not good. Jones was fucking off his rocker, Liddy off the perks, twenty four seven. So he became increasingly fearful of a government raid of Jonestown. He had a plethora of guards around uh, the compound wielding firearms and crossbows. In G- Guyana. Yeah, in Guyana. Yeah. Man, this is all in Guyana. Buy a. You could just buy whatever you want. I would imagine, yeah, yeah, I would imagine. I was just thinking about what they had access yeah. to. So anything. he began holding these, he began holding what he called white knights uh, out of fear 
that they would not be able to resist a government raid. Uh, so basically, these white knights were drills to oh. to test the readiness of his flock. To so fight at like the government. Pretty much. Oh, damn. So at bumfuck hours in the night, he would come over the loudspeaker saying, alert, 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 and called the community to the central pavilion, and he would commu- he would keep the community at the pavilion, having them chant and pray to ward off the attack. At times, he would, <laughs> oh. at, at times he would have guards hide in the forest and shoot their guns to simulate an attack, an actual attack. But the so, plan is to... Go in the middle of the I, town and just yeah. Pray. I honestly, yeah. Oh, I mean, I mean, I would imagine to do drills in, in the case of an actual attack, the guards would be would be you know in fighting position yeah. and stuff like that. So he I would thought everybody was yeah. Fight yeah. Him, not he would only tell his followers that it was a drill after he decided when it was over. One of these drills I mean, lasted. Drills work, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, one of these drills lasted six fucking days. <laughs> um, yeah. So, Excuse me. Yeah. yeah. So um, the, six days. Six days. Dude. So they were obviously done to keep his flock fearful, and it made sure that they would not venture into the surrounding jungle to try to escape. And every time someone talks about something like this, they're like, "Why didn't they just fucking leave?" Well, it wasn't the jungle. It wasn't that. Yeah, it wasn't Plus that their easy. Whole family and life. Uh, you would have to navigate twenty plus miles through this dense jungle to get to the nearest city, which was Georgetown. Um, George. Oh, really? Georgetown. Yeah, oh. yeah. That's uh, the. That's that's just fucking. Yeah. that's like a full time expedition. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, that's, job yeah, with nothing, with no compass, yeah. no like nothing, literally nothing. So U.S. Embassy personnel. Hold on, what, 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 what? I think I missed a word here. Um, so basically, U.S. Embassy personnel are checking in on Jonestown and the IRS investigation in the early in early 1978. Had Jim Jones convinced they were gonna, the government was going to attack him. Like it was. Set in stone. He, so he was, he was he like sure. really ill, mentally ill. Well, that and you know he's a hardcore drug addict at this point. Oh, so like he's yeah. just like he's uh, fucking out of his mind. That. He's like, like losing his mind. They talk about like you know in the sweaty fucking jungle. in the sweaty fucking jungle, dude. They talk about whenever he was like during near the end, he just kind of like lost his bearings on things and like would just like urinate wherever he wanted to and oh. stuff like that, which is, you know, unbecoming of I him am as a prophet. I the son of Christ and yeah. just pissing in yeah, the cafeteria. <laughs> Looking like so, the Lebowski. Uh, so he convinced, he's convinced this attack is coming. It's, it's on its way. So during one of these white nights, Jones passes out batches of flavor aid telling them there is poison in it and that the enemy is closing in and they have to drink it. It turned out to be a drill it wasn't real. You know, he told them there was nothing in the, the juice, blah, 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 blah. That's fucking traumatizing. Well, um, interesting thing about that. I read in, in that book I mentioned last time about yeah. uh, fucking Jim Jones. They talked about how um, people who are suicidal will like, can do practice runs to kind of reduce yeah, the fear yeah, of that exposure. That's fair. And he's like instilling Basically that in them. what he's yeah. doing. Yeah. Okay. That makes a that's ton crazy. of sense. That's yeah. So, um,. As traumatizing, Jones basically used these white knights to convince his followers that the CIA was actively working to destroy their community, obviously. And in 1978, the situation in Jonestown was getting worse and worse, and the community was basically... People were just, like, leaving, and, like... Um, cause you, you could leave, but Jones, he would do everything yeah. to not let you leave besides forcing you to stay. If you he wanted still to leave, wouldn't like he pull would, you? No, he would, he would so try dang, to convince even the you. the Scientologists were more brutal yeah, yeah, than fucking, yeah. that's And, nuts. uh, he would, you know, try to convince you to stay, if I remember correctly, um, and he wouldn't like, you know, keep, keep you captured. I, I'm what going off memory though? here, so. 
I mean, kids just he you know he wouldn't let them leave. Obviously, he would not let. Them no, leave. he would. That's basically who he held that's hostage crazy. was the kids. Because at this time now in 1978, the the community is basically made up of minors and elders. Because all the fucking that evaporating effect that yeah. you were talking about oh, last episode, all the all people the, who could leave yeah, left. Yeah. yeah. So. Dang. There were very few people that were working age, and they found it incredibly difficult to keep up with the work required no to support shit. the community. So with health care and food rations and short supply, things are just kept getting worse. This is sad. Uh, yeah, man. Jones was in no better A shape bunch either. Of old people and kids yep. starving in the jungle. Yes, sir. So his drinking and his constant drug habit was becoming more noticeable. His orders to his flock became increasingly erratic. He often staggered his speech, slurred his words. At one point, his health was becoming so poor that he couldn't walk without assistance. Um, yeah, so... In November 1978, the magic healing man, dude, yeah, is, oh. is, is, is getting decrepit now. They're always doing this. Yeah. It, like El or like fuck Lafayette was always talking about like being able to do all this shit, and then his health sucked yeah. for 20 years. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, bro, give up that lie. I mean, at, at that point, you've already brainwashed everybody, so you can just keep making up shit to it's support insane. your yeah. So in November of 1978, Congressman Riot led a, quote, fact-finding mission to Jonestown to investigate the allegations of human rights violations. He traveled with a delegation of formal temple, former Temple members and families still at Jonestown, uh, with families still at Jonestown, a NBC camera oh. crew, and reporters from several newspapers. The group, But were, no, like, hitters? Just all civilians like that? Pretty much, yeah. So the group wow. arrived to the capital of Georgetown, where Jonestown had a safe house on November 15th. Two days later, they travel by plane to Port uh, to Port Ketuma, and then they are transported to Jonestown via a tractor. Oh, so okay. Jones holds a reception for the group under the central pavilion during their visit. You know, it's like they they're welcoming them with open arms, basically, because Jim Jim Jones yeah. like we don't have anything to hide. You know. Come Just here, motherfucker. Kids and old people. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. So during their visit, Temple member Vernon Gosney passes a note meant for Senator Ryan to an NBC to NBC reporter Don Harris. And basically, in this note, he's requesting assistance for him and another Temple member, Monica Bagby, basically asking for help to leave the compound. They don't want to be there anymore. Uh, I was watching like a, a like a like a you know how with the Branch Davidians things we were thing we were talking about the TV show oh, series something like that yeah yeah dramatization yeah, yeah basically that oh really so I was I watching one of those too yeah no it's really good um so um they ask basically the terror in the jungle one uh Is that what you let watched? me look and oh, the Jonestown see. haunt no probably not the Jones oh there's one just called Jonestown that might be the one that I was it's British um is it that's what it says terror in the jungle oh sorry sorry. Says Jamestown. Hold on. Oh. <laughs> Hold on. Terror in the Jungle. I think it is that one. That's I, the only, I think, that's yeah, I think that's the one I'm, I, I'm thinking of. Um, so, um, basically, they passed this note up to, like, help us get out of here, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and when they did this, other members of Jonestown caught wind of what had happened that they had passed this note off so tensions started oh, to rise shit. so on the afternoon of november 18th ryan's delegation leaves in a hurry after temple member don sly attempts to attack the congressman with a knife he's oh, a, the attack shit. was unsuccessful but they were like now nah, we're getting the h double hockey sticks the fuck out of here it's like uh have you ever seen the invitation Maybe. Oh man, that movie's the about a cult. It's so good. The invitation. I what? think. Is it on streaming services? Yeah, it used to be on Netflix forever. I think. Uh, 
I think, yeah, I have seen this. Yeah, yeah. that reminds me of that. Um, when it like starts cutting loose, yeah, you know. So that's a scary transition. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. So Ryan and the delegation manages to take fifteen members who want to escape with them back to the airstrip. Jones makes no attempt to stop them, and as you know, as they're leaving in the in the show, I can't believe he only snagged fifteen. That's cr- yeah. I mean, maybe he had a limit. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, because yeah. uh, you're going by plane and stuff like that, you yeah. can only take so many. So I mean, in the in the in the show, you know, Jones talks to Vernon, I think, and is like, you know, I wish you wouldn't do this, but if you want to leave, you're more than welcome to go. And um, so takes away 15 members with him uh, back to the airstrip. Jones made no attempt to stop them, and as the delegation is boarding two airplanes, Jones's armed guards, called the Red Brigade, led by Joe Wilson, Thomas Kais Sr., and Ronnie Den- uh, Ronnie Denise. Denies, whatever. Ronnie Dennis, who knows? Who cares? <laughs> uh, they arrive on a tractor and trailer and begin to open fire on the delegation. Damn. So, what kind um, of guns did they use? Uh, I think it was just like shotguns and like oh. rifles. I can't remember exactly. You can, there's there's video footage of it. Um, a very short video clip of the shooting. Oh, yeah. Shit. Um, so the gunman killed Ryan and th- uh, four others near the uh, Guyana Airways twin otter aircraft. At the same time, so basically, they had two airplanes they were loading people in. So Ryan and members of the of the delegation are going into one plane when they start opening fire and they get killed. In the other airplane they have boarded, Jim Jones sent a man by the name of Larry Layton to pose as a, quote, defector. Oh but he God. had a weapon on him, so in that other airplane, Larry Layton pulls out his gun and starts firing on the rest of the members of the delegation Holy inside shit. the airplane. And uh, so basically he was a spy to make sure the defectors didn't make it out of the area alive. That's insane. So NBC cameraman Bob Brown was able to capture footage of the first few seconds of the shooting at the Otter aircraft just before he himself was killed by the gunman. I can't find it. So um, later that day, Jones receives word that his security guards had failed to kill everyone in the delegation. Jones realizes that the escapees would soon inform the U.S. of the attack, and they would send the military to seize Jonestown. Jonestown calls the entire community to the Central Pavilion and informs them that Ryan was dead, and it's only a matter of time before the military descended on their commune and killed them all. So at this time, Jim Jones had a son. And at this time, Jim Jones' son had convinced his dad to send them to Georgetown because they were part of a basket, the Jonestown basketball team and send them to Georgetown to uh, play against Georgetown's basketball team. And Jim Jones's wife was actually pretty level-headed. She, like, helped convince Jim to send his son to, to Georgetown to do this. Okay. And I, I'm pretty sure he talks about it where he's like, you know... um. He was like, my mom said goodbye to me because I think she knew that something was coming and it would probably be the last time we saw each other. And Dang. so uh, if I remember correctly, they're in that safe house in uh, they're in that safe house in Georgetown. And Jones, uh, Jim Jones calls his son is like, I think it was for the delegation that was going to arrive, telling his son he needs to come back for this delegation that's arriving. And his son convinces him to let him stay in Georgetown. So, um uh, you know that that the woman who survived was like a congressman until this year, like she was retiring this year. 
Jackie Spear. Really? Yeah. No, she I didn't. She shot five times. That's fucking crazy. That's and then insane. she a U.S. House representative. Badass motherfucker, that's dude. Yeah, that's bananas. Life. So um, he tells his members that the Soviet Union with whom... Uh, they had. He tells his members the Soviet Union, with whom the temple had been negotiating a potential exodus with for months, would not give them passage after the airstrip shooting. He tells his followers that GIs would quote parachute in here on us and quote shoot some of our innocent babies and quote they'll torture our children. They'll torture some of our people here. Sure. They'll torture our seniors. The army um, do that like that. So Jones and some of the temple members come to the conclusion that they should commit quote revolutionary suicide by drinking cyanide lace flavoring. Jones had a shitload of cyanide imported to Jonestown years prior because he at one point attained his jeweler's license and was able to purchase the substance in bulk to, quote, clean gold. Um, that's how he was able but to get he, his hands on he it. He wanted to just get cyanide. Keep it yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so is this always the plan? So I don't know if this was always the plan. I think it was always in the back of his mind as he got more paranoid. So he, he was a like, boatload and of this cyanide. was like, uh, like a couple of years ago when he did this. So it was like that. That paranoia was already in his head, so he's like, yeah. okay, we might need That's to do crazy. this. So at the safe house in Georgetown, one of the people that were part of the, the, the delegation that came that had family members in Jonestown, his wife was kind of like Jones's right-hand man, um, and his daughters were there in the safe house. So the, the guy's ex-wife basically stayed at the safe house, did the operations. His daughters were there too. So he stayed in Georgetown while the delegation went to Jonestown because oh, he was okay. seeing his family. Yeah, yeah. And so um, while he's visiting his family, that lady, I forgot the, the gal's name. Yeah. She gets a call basically uh. saying, hey, we're doing it. We like, we're shit's about to go down. We just killed people. Like, oh my we're God. going. So she cuts the visit short. Ends up telling the daughters, like, hey, this is what we're doing. Because the daughters were kind of indoctrinated in this cult as well. And as the, the father is leaving and talking to his daughters, he's like, I'll come pick you up tomorrow. We'll go out to eat, blah, 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 blah. We'll go get food. It'll be so fun. And the daughters are like, yeah, you know, maybe, blah, blah, blah. Because they know what's about to happen. Um, so uh, people in the safe house, the, the girl and God, I, for, I can't believe I forgot. I didn't write down her fucking name. Because I didn't plan on, like, writing this whole story because I knew the story. But she ends up killing herself and the daughters. I think there's and a couple young children that were Dang. in the safe house as well with like stabbing them, I think. No. Something like that, yeah. So, um I did not I thought they weren't going to kill themselves. No. They were unrelated. No, 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 they no, weren't no. even there. No, they Don't were stab they children. were they were uh, 100% like with the like they were with, with the it. cause. Yeah, yeah. So, obviously this is insane. Obviously, not everyone is down with this idea. If so, if you didn't know this, um, Jim Jones recorded this entire event. You can yeah, listen to it. I, yeah, I have listened. Um, you it's can listen to it if you awful. listeners want to. It's fucking heartbreaking. We're going to put that. Uh, on we're not going to put it on here, but on my YouTube video I did of this, I it's on there. It's yeah. the very end of the video. You can skip through the whole video and just listen. The whole recording's on there. Uh, I will say, you know, your discretion is advised. It's very heartbreaking well, to listen to. to people yeah. die. Yeah. So people are protesting the suicide. And Jim tells them, quote, stop these hysterics. This is not a way for people who are socialists or communists to die. No way for us to die. We must die with some dignity. He can also be heard saying, quote, don't be afraid of death and adding that death is, quote, just stepping into another plane and that death is a friend. Many protested God. the killing of children, even Jones's wife. 
but they were all, but they were all restrained and forced to drink this flavored laced with cyanide. Fuck them kids, forced to give Jones. it to the children. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, Jones told them that cyanide was a painless death, it's but not. death by cyanide is not painless. It's like, horrible. Like if I remember correctly, it like deprives your cells of oxygen or some shit like that. Um, and it just it you're it's not painless. It is incredibly painful. Um, and that shit yeah. fucking hurts. This halts, yeah, effectively halts, halts cellular respiration. Okay, cool, yeah. Um, so those who would not drink the cyanide had it injected into them. At the end of the event, uh, 909 inhabitants of Jonestown had died, 304 of them being children. Jones himself, yeah, Jones himself was a little bitch boy and didn't drink the cyanide. He was found resting near his deck chair with a gunshot wound in his head, and the coroner said that it was consistent with suicide. Jones's son, though, speculates that his father may have directed someone else to yeah, shoot him. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. So, and and the the guards would go around shooting people who who haven't died yet before they took their They're own squid lives. Squid games. There, yeah, there were survivors of the massacre though. Some hid in the forest. Uh, yeah. One man hid in a ditch. Some hid under dead bodies, like fake, like fake that they were you know dead. And there was one elderly woman who had heard the white knight get called. And she knew what was about to happen. She had a feeling that this was about to happen. So she hides under her bed in her dormitory, and she ends up sleeping through the event. And when she's elderly, okay, I thought, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, so when she wakes up, she walks out, and everybody in the nightmare. compound is fucking dead. Um, so the guy on a military arrive in Jonestown after the massacre to find the dead, and the U.S. military organized an airlift to bring the dead back to the U.S. to be buried. Um, and that is the story of the Jonestown Massacre. Like I said, I, I took out a bunch of information, obviously, because uh, it's a super well-documented cult. Um, there's like it, As it's well-documented, like I said, there's that recording you can find on my YouTube channel, Snaxton. Uh, there's also like crime scene footage of the whole thing. And they wore what shoes? What? Wasn't it the Jones? No, that was that's, Heaven's that's Gate. That's Heaven's Gate. Yeah, yeah. they wore the the Nikes, uh, the Nike decades or whatever. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I can definitely do it. I was thinking, I was like, man, I should cover a cult started by a lady. And then I was looking into it. There's not a lot of those. Yeah, not like, a lot. Of, yeah, which is crazy. It's because men, men are, are fucking monsters. awful. Yeah, they're awful. Men suck. Dude. Why are there mostly male mass shooters, yeah. serial killers, and cult leaders. Fucking Come on. The worst. I looked up Jonestown crime photos, and now I'm like, I forgot that I don't want to look at these. Nah, they're terrible. Yeah, they're fucking Yeah, Jackie Spear was shit. sitting in a seat in the plane That's when they crazy. came in and shot her five times. That's fucking insane, and she dude. lived. And what a badass she, motherfucker, she went, yeah. dude. A badass yeah. motherfucker, absolutely. But Incredible. that is the cult of Jonestown, man. They are fucked up. That was really kind of I don't know just a a shitty bitter arc I don't know he's just like yeah no I agree yeah it, it like, was like a nasty scam that like just went none of too these long. people would have died if you had not like the whole killing the delegation was so just like out of pocket like I, so stupid it was he was basically afraid that he was going to get scrutinized again in the media and then also that the you know basically the government was going to come and seize Jonestown for humanitarian violations but it's just like dude it's fucking dumb man I, that's horrible yeah, yeah it's, that, it's that one awful. just sucks cuz like i don't know it, it was just a scam healer that i don't, 
And he he used all the right words to get people yeah, in. Yeah, exactly. Dude, that's yeah. Cra- it wasn't um, like dirty fascist bullshit. He you know? basically he basically used like in his progressive, progressive is a progressive rights like his activism or activism work and stuff like that. He used that to make people see him as like a good guy and that he was doing the right thing and it was easier for them to follow him like that which exactly you know cool Mike. yeah yeah like cool i get you you did a lot for you did a lot for the cause but also like fuck you dude um yeah i gotta say he's definitely the least cool famous yeah. jim jones yeah the other yeah. jim jones is way cooler excuse me um but yeah so we are gonna take a break next um next week yes. uh we gotta take care of some some personal stuff, and then we will be back. I don't know. I might record an episode solo, just a Lucy. I'm covering other Mormons. people. Covering Mormons, okay. Yeah. Um, I might cover the vampire cult I was thinking of, or I might do Heaven's Gate. We'll see. Um, but vampire yeah, cult would be cool. Yeah. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Even though we already told you that in the beginning, we will see you guys soon. Be and safe. Download. Yeah, download. Yeah. Please download. That'd be super incredible. Just download and don't even listen. Yeah, you know, yeah. It dude. doesn't take up space on your phone. Come on. I mean, just download it. it. All every every app has a download Come button. On. Uh, but we will see you guys soon. I love you so much. Bye bye. <laughs>